the Hardwick Me Too thing. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so silly. But he was, he was spraying me with shit. Not shit. Like he was spraying me with a... <laughs> The aristocrats. <laughs> he, was, he was spraying you. That was. This is your welcome back to Dance Robot Dance. Beer, no, that's only happened. Oh, it's once. like I never it left. <laughs> you, ruined, you ruined the surprise, Tim. Look at you go. <laughs> oh, did you start recording? I did start recording. Actually, well, you guys no, good to go? I don't want yeah. people to hear that commentary. <laughs> I just started recording when you started talking about spring getting sprayed down with poop. So that's pretty much. <laughs> no, that's never happened. Thank God. Yeah, no kidding, right? God, I can't even imagine. I can't even. You're imagining it now, aren't you? No, I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> no, we need an episode without puke take. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is episode 102. I'm Mark. I'm here with Tim. Good evening, folks. And Christy. Holla at your boy. <laughs> oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> how we're starting this episode haven't even had any wine yet oh no oh, all right bad one and we have a guest who has not been on an episode of this show since episode what did we say tim four number three three what? three wow it's been <laughs> almost a hundred episodes since no. uh this guest has been on here so welcome back to dance robot dance mr spears how you doing buddy? hey pretty good pretty good great to be back really it's been that long yeah well welcome back to the podcast where you can curse yeah. yay so much cussing. Yeah. yeah, that's what we do. Have we even sworn yet? I don't think we have. Probably. We had enough shit talk earlier than I'm <laughs> sure. There it is. There it is, Tim. Thank you. But we, we have the distinction of being the one episode of Geeks with Kids that I think earned that little red E. <laughs> that Our crossover Stranger Things episode. Which I think is still a problem for them to this day. So <laughs> it still kind of comes up my feed that way. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, so we have a lot of people here, and we are running late already, so we're going to cut right to the fucking meat of this thing. Actually, we're not going to cut to the meat. We're going to do Geek of the Week first, so you guys want to do a sting? Spears, would you like to join us for a sting? I, I will, I'll do my best. Just get in there, buddy. It's, it's improv. It's Christy's thing. Geek of the Week. Of the week. Oh, so close. <laughs> That's not going to be in any kind of sync. I'm going to have to edit <laughs> Mr. Spears, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Why don't you uh, share us the geekiest thing you did this week? Yeah, I don't even think we did Geek of the Week back when. No, nah, we did not, because I don't think we started doing that until like episode 10. Yeah. So <laughs> I think ever since E3, I've been watching the uh, the Last of Us Part 2 trailer on repeat. Oh, at a point. Yeah, so I got a little bit of time off uh, this week, and I played through first game. Knowing that the emotional pain was coming, but yet still somehow unprepared for it. I haven't uh, played that since I initially played through it. So was it was it as devastating the second time through as it was the first time? Oh, way worse. Oh, really? Way <laughs> worse. The build up to that thing that happens in the radio tower with that one guy who joins your play that time. Yeah. That's OK. We're, we're a completely spoilery podcast and I'm probably never going to play this game. That is entirely true. And Christy and I played the shit out of this game. So you're only fun. hurting yourself, Tim. Yeah, there's just so many other games but that are. But this one's a that it, No, this. Know, but there are so many games that involve franchises that I'm already invested in. This one is. I think this one is really worth it. I think it. Mm. Well, here y'all pay for me to have like a month off to catch up on shit, and the first thing I'll do is pay play Last of Us. How's that? Fair Yay! Enough. <laughs> I am going over to Patreon right now. <laughs> 
Not quite set up there yet. We're working on that. So, what tier is that? What tier is Tim plays Last of Us? Is Tim month of paid time off? Yeah, we need. I think think it's Tim. Tim needs five thousand dollars to take a month off or something like that, so he can just sit around and buy a PlayStation. Man, you you throw it up on Twitch. I bet someone would do it. Like Elon Musk or someone will throw the money in just to see what happens. Exactly what I was about to say. I was like, this is the Elon Musk donor level. I'm not against like, it. Like when we do set up a Patreon, because it will probably the happen. Mark, the Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> donation level. Yeah, it'll be it'll be the uh, I need to uh, quit my job donation level too. So there's mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. The last. I yeah. I should. Uh, I'm looking forward to that new game like crazy. I have no idea when it's coming, but mm-hmm. it is uh, highly anticipated. I think Christy and I have been talking about it for the last like three weeks straight since the uh, the trailer. So pumped. Hit, so, so pumped. So pumped. Oh, amazing. Coming off the end of the first Last of Us, I like I literally cannot wait. If there was a way to make it appear before me now, whatever that way was, I'm pretty sure I would do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So let's let's move over to Christy. Christy, what was the geekiest thing you did this week? Oh, I beat Detroit Become Human. Nice. Yeah, it's so go? good. Yeah. Except the ending was kind of weak as per David Cage. David Cage. Yeah. Um, All of his endings are kind of weak. Is that because... You played shitty, and so you got a shitty no. ending. I got the, all the best ending. <laughs> I got the best ending. I was real happy with my endings. But my geeky thing that I did was yesterday and today and Sunday, I just like hardcore watched all the videos I could about every ending possible, every scenario, like yeah. what could happen if you did this with that character? How many times can this person die? What are all the outcomes? Like it was awesome. But, See, that's that's the only way that I think I'd be able to handle playing one of those multi-path games is knowing that I could see all of those other scenes and shit that I missed by, you know, on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, pretty much all these games get played through on YouTube, so you, yeah, you yeah. won't have that problem. It comes, it gets to the point eventually where, like, if I'm playing a game and I don't feel like playing it anymore, I'll just go watch the end on YouTube because whatever. Mm-hmm. I want to know how it ends. Well, <laughs> I kind of also just love the fact that there are people out there who will do that for you. Like they'll hundred percent it. And they're very happy to do that. Cause that's what they do as gamers. But for me, the stress of having to do all of the playthroughs and make all of the shit decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. My stress levels would be like, Whoop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> problematic. Yeah. So that was my geek ass thing. Nice. Tim, I could say breath of the wild again. Cause I have spent a lot of time on it, but to save our <laughs> listeners spend talking more about fucking Zelda, I will say that I, uh, I binged through, well, I won't say I binged, but I did make it through Luke Cage season two. Mark and I kind of missed the fucking like drop of it, which is probably the first time we've done that since we started the podcast. Like it was what five o'clock on Friday or something before we were like, fuck Luke Cage dropped today. It, it is, yeah, it's true. And that's also my geek of the week was like my, my insane binge this weekend, which I did a lot of different things. We'll talk about that later. But like, yeah, Tim messaged me on Friday. And th- to be fair, I did just start a new job on Thursday. So I was a little like not super up to like what's going on in like whatever media world. Mm. But yeah, when you messaged me and it was like, hey, Luke Cage started, like came out today. I was like, oh, fuck. I guess I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I did that night. Super baked and watched six or seven episodes of luke cage on friday night mm-hmm. so i enjoyed it like are you done you you, yeah. you finished it yesterday i finished right? it last okay. night and yeah i was i was happy with it overall i think it was more consistent than the first season by far 
Um, it's mm-hmm. fucking Alfred Woodard killed it. I've seen both ways. Like I've seen people bitch that she was overacting, yeah. and then other people say she crushed it. I think I thought she was great. So that's, I thought everybody was really good in it. The only problem I had is like. Again, Luke Cage is kind of a supporting character in his own series. So. Yeah, but I mean, it was kind of cool because it was very much like how his fame and how his reputation is sort of impacting him. Oh. And, and in which case, there, you know, when you're when you sort of become a celebrity, yeah, sometimes you do become a supporting character in your own fucking story. So it's true. Yeah, but no, I thought I was really happy with it. The fucking Heroes for Hire episode was just like exactly mm-hmm. what I needed from that Danny Rand. Like they finally got that character to work for me like 100%. I was completely in for that. The little tease earlier on in the season with Colleen showing up and her and Misty like hanging out and stuff was amazing. Don't spoil so the daughters shit for me. <laughs> I maintain that I think that Danny Rand's probably going to have the best character development of any of those characters overall. Like he's probably going to end up having the best arc assuming they sort of you know stick the landing with him so do you think that he's better now oh yeah oh yeah he was awesome i mean he was better in defenders than he was in his season and he's even better in uh in this one episode of luke cage than he was in defenders okay because i never thought i'd hear you say that yeah he's almost comic book danny rand like um he's just like he's inches away from being like the the danny rand that i know really well so i'm like I can. I'm feeling this a little bit more. I was pretty happy with it. And like I was happy with the season overall. I thought Bushmaster was amazing. And mm-hmm. as ridiculous as that name is, the fact that everybody said it with a straight face and you made you fear him, I was like, that's impressive. Because I mean, Bushmaster just sounds like something some asshole from the <laughs> '70s would call themselves because he really likes girls or something like that. I don't know. But fuck, uh, no, he was his, really good. His motivation though. was amazing, and yeah. yeah. No, it was a really like solid uh, season of TV. Which they've been like, I mean, post Iron Fist and like Defenders was shaky, but like. I thought they crushed Punisher and then this was Jessica Jones was okay. And this was really good. So I'm, mm. I'm looking forward to this continuing on and like getting the next batch of episodes from like, I think Iron Fist and Punisher and Daredevil are all due within the, like the cat, like the next year. Yeah. So got a lot of these shows coming. So. Yeah. Mm. So if you're on the fence about Luke Cage season two, you have Mark and my's ringing endorsement. Yeah. Yeah, we both liked it, which was I was surprised that Tim liked it as much. Uh, I was had I had a great time with it, so that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. What else today? I finished I finished Archer. Cool. This week and oh, yeah, what do oh, you think? I haven't even started that Danger Island. I thought it was fun. I'm a little tired of the like the coma dream stuff. Like I'm I'm curious yeah. to see what they're going to do with the alien thing next year. Like that looks interesting. Coma to me. dream. Well, he's been in a coma for the past three years. I want to say that's what all these eras are. Is yeah. just his yeah. his dreams. Yeah, he's been in a coma for the last couple of seasons. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, but it was fun. Like, I enjoyed it. I didn't really have any complaints, but like, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I didn't, I don't know. It was weird. Like, I was, yeah, that was, that was about my feeling. Yeah. Like, I was laughing at stuff, but not as much as I was laughing at the old stuff kind of thing. Like, those original episodes, like, those killed me. And I stick with it because I like the characters and stuff, but like, I wasn't dying the way I was in like pre coma archer. You know what I mean? So, Mm. but it was worth it. If you're an archer fan, absolutely. Totally worth it. So, Oh. Spears, are you an Archer guy? Uh, not yet, but I heard an interview recent, recently with uh, Aisha Tyler, mm-hmm. yeah. who plays one of the characters yeah. on the show, and that that bumped it up the queue uh, substantially. Yeah. So I, I'm going to be getting to it sooner rather than later. Yeah, just make sure your kids are in bed when you put that one on. Dad, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, what are you watching? <laughs> don't look at the screen! No, it's more like don't listen to the fucking dialogue as yeah. part of the problem with that show. <laughs> you start talking about like aborted fetuses and onesies yeah. and shit like that. Yep. It's like, and tentacle right, porn. Yeah. Dog. Tentacle porn. Yeah. Nana can't hear this episode now. What? Yeah, we, we did we it. T- 
<laughs> no, don't we worry about it. Share yeah, it, We though. mentioned the thing that we can't mention, Christy, so... Yeah, why did you talk about it? Because <laughs> Archer, oh. that, that tentacle point. They joke. still make jokes about yeah. it. Yeah. I haven't heard that yet. Never seen that. No. Okay, that's good. I did watch a bunch of other movies, but that's what we're talking about tonight. So <laughs> let's let's move on to the meat of the episode so that we can go to bed at some point. Yeah. <laughs> meat of the episode. Meat, 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 Meet, 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 meet. This is the rest of the episode. Meet, 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 you're missing yeah. art. <laughs> Who's art? Keep going. Keep going. Ah, uh, boo. Uh, wah, wah. Uh, I killed it. I killed it. Yeah. It needed to be killed. Yeah. You killed it. So in case it wasn't blatantly obvious, we're finally going to talk about Star Wars and not like a new Star Wars. We're going to talk about all of Star Wars as a franchise. As a franchise, we're going to talk about Star Wars. Hence why. Spears is here because he is a Star Wars guy and <laughs> I am not. So I'm going to leave this conversation and let these nerds nerd out like nerds. nerds. Like Star nerds. Wars nerds. Actually, I don't so, know if I want to be called a Star Wars nerd given the current state of Star Wars fandom. Well, uh, we can maybe talk about that later. That was my <laughs> bonus question, but yeah, we'll get into that there. So generally, I just want to, we just want to do an overview of Star Wars like we did with Marvel, but in one episode and with yeah. Spears here. So... We first things first, Spears. Do you remember how you were introduced to Star Wars? By whom? And then what about it made it something that you're obsessed with? No, no, then yes. <laughs> no, then yes. My dad claims to have taken me to see Return of the Jedi when I was three. I have no recollection of this, so I can neither confirm nor deny whether he actually did it. It's probably a liar. Probably. It's it. There's a bit <laughs> of a pedigree for that. Yeah, be a storyteller. That it's true. Or an, embell- an embellisher, as my dad called it. Yeah, I think I think I think embellisher is probably more accurate. So my my dad will my dad will hear this podcast eventually and be like, "Why is he calling me a lawyer? Wait, a liar? You're a lawyer, Dad. That's why I called you a lawyer. Never mind. Yeah, that's a long my, walk. I apologize. My old man always did tear up at the certain point of view line. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. But uh, the what I do remember though is that when I was maybe. Five or six, my family moved from New Jersey to Hamilton, and we ended up crashing at my uncle's place for a while. And his kid, my cousin Jeff, was a huge movie nerd, and he's like maybe four years older than I was. So we stayed with him for maybe two weeks, and over that two weeks, he introduced me to Doctor Who, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, Jaws... And he showed me The Empire Strikes Back on Betamax <laughs> over and over and just, over. Just Empire Strikes Back <laughs> without the context of New Hope. Just Empire. No, I don't. I didn't see New Hope until later. I didn't see Jedi until later, later. <laughs> so as far as I knew, so you, all Star Wars was was dudes in snow, then dude in the and swamp. And a guy being really upset about somebody being his dad. <laughs> 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then everybody getting fucked over at the end, too. It's like the saddest fucking sci-fi movie ending of all time, if that's the only movie you see, right? <laughs> yeah, amazing. that didn't even sink in. Like, I don't remember yeah, until I don't remember seeing, like, I don't remember the ending to Empire until I was much, much older. But yeah, we watched that Betamax tape over and over and over again. And the thing that he loved about it is it had, like, it had the... Um, he could pause and hold on a frame, which I guess at the time was a big deal. Like not every VCR could do that. So he would be constantly like holding on certain scenes during the trench and be like, you can see where the different layers of the image are. Like this is a model, but this is a real person. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you have any sugar cereals? I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, can I I see more Yoda? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I, I remember like, Yoda terrified and captivated me as a child. Likewise, actually, I remember the first time I saw Jedi, I was like, I'm not having any of this Yoda shit. It was, uh, <laughs> he was off putting, off putting. He had a big <laughs> mouth though, Christy. How did you get past no. that? I was into it. He was no Falcor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's my earliest, earliest memories. Empire Strikes Back. I remember Yoda and the Dagobah sequence really well. I think I must have gotten bored during the the quote-unquote chase through Cloud City. I remember him fighting Vader, but I don't remember anything that happens after that. Until I'd rewatched the movies when I was older. Now, how many times have you seen these movies? That's the big question. Dude, when I was between grade 5 and the year I graduated university, I rewatched every Star Wars film and read as... At least like eight or nine, reread eight or nine of the expanded universe novels once a year, every year. Okay, so I think I think you overtake us in all of our Star yeah. Wars nerdery. Yeah, I, I am our local Star Wars expert, but you're a level higher than me. Well, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's all you know. It's all pretty worth. It's all all that EU stuff has kind of been jettisoned, and I don't know that I'm I starting to come back with the Thrawn stuff and Rebels and that kind of thing. Yeah. Bits and pieces of it have been like resurrected, haven't they? Like I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, really, the universe stuff didn't really comment. So, yeah, the new cartoons have been really good. Clone Wars was great. Rebels was great. So the lore isn't same as it was, but at least it's still there. And for me, that's what differentiated Star Wars and Star Trek for me as a child. Like Star Wars had like a defined and interesting story behind every character in every frame. You know, and you didn't have to dig particularly far to find it, which was kind of interesting. Star Trek had a lot of like sort of broad strokes, sort of societal, cultural, political construction, which was interesting to me on one level. But Star Wars, like every character, even if they're only on screen for a second, was a fascinating character. And then probably had like a comic book miniseries about them somewhere <laughs> else. Yeah. yeah. Or they were like or, training the Rancor or some shit like that. Like it's just yeah, random. There, there, <laughs> there was a issue um, miniseries. There was an yeah. anthology. Um, it wasn't comic books so much when I was growing up. Like in the nineties, their Dark Horse comics did a couple of miniseries that picked up the story after Jedi. Um, but it was all like it was mostly prose. Like it was short stories, uh, short story anthologies and novel trilogies that were both mm. continuing the story forward and filling in the stories of the characters on the margins. There's one anthology I remember picking up in like in a hotel lobby when we were on vacation called uh, Tales from Jabba's Palace. 
And there is a, there's a fairly lengthy short story about the dude who trains the Rancor. That absolutely sounds like fan fiction porn. It absolutely sounds like <laughs> it's absolutely glorious. Yeah, it does. does he, can I ask the inappropriate yeah, question? Do it, like, do is it. him in the rank is him in the Rancor's relationship like above board, or is there some weird <laughs> subtext that we should be aware of? Like, he gets really. <laughs> I just watched the movies like this weekend. He gets really fucking emotional when that thing dies, and I get it because like I've had like I have pets and stuff, but like. That thing's hideous. Yeah. I don't know, I mean, man. It's freaky. So. I think textually they were going for old yeller, but subtextually there's a lot of equus going on. Oh god, I, I'm assuming that, that there's some shit that goes on with like uh, Bib Fortuna's uh, tentacles and his little head things, and also Salacious Crumb and Java probably got something going on too. <laughs> I don't know who Bib Fortuna is. I don't know what that means. That sounded like nonsense <laughs> words to me. Bib Fortuna is the the dude that Luke uses the force on to convince him to let him into Jabba's. The guy with like the crazy the head oh, the, snakes. With the weird head snake thing. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Right, yeah. fair enough. I didn't know they were named. This salacious crumb is the little like muppety thing that sort of hangs around Jabba. That one I knew because he's got the annoying laugh. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim. What about you? Let's see, so. <laughs> I don't remember seeing the Star Wars movies in theaters when I was a kid. It's possible that my dad probably took me. My dad is definitely who introduced me to Star Wars, but I have a much, my first like actual gelled kind of memory is definitely, we had them all taped off TV on VHS, Mm -hmm. including, as I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, it was our copy of Turn of the Jedi, I think was missing about the first like seven or eight minutes. So until we finally got like an actual DVD or an actual VHS like trilogy copy, there was a whole like seven or eight minutes of Star Wars I'd never fucking seen before. I was like, this is a, a whole new world galaxy far, <laughs> far away. So when did I, this is totally a tangent, but like when did that when did it have started then? Like were you in the middle of like the Jabba's <laughs> Palace stuff by then? Because you'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like Vader. And then it goes to Tatooine, right? Yeah, so the it d- didn't really pick up until like C-3PO and R2-D2 were like going into Jabba's palace. That's like the most, that's like the slowest opening for a movie ever if you don't get that like Vader showing yeah. up on the Death Star bit at the beginning. Because like, yeah. you're just wa- wandering <laughs> around following C-3PO and R2-D2 for like <laughs> yeah. 15 fucking minutes. Oh, it just dude. goes on and fucking on. I recently <laughs> watched uh, episode four with my kid. And ev- as soon as they put down on Tatooine, I just watch his eyes like glaze over. Yeah, yeah. That that sequence. There's some like editing problems with that sequence, but that's it's really yeah. weird. But that's the one I remember the most. Like I remember seeing Jedi like just incessantly. Yeah, it was the most like lush sort yeah. of and and like the most kid friendly. I think of the first three, anyways. Yeah. But I also remember seeing that first Ewok movie, The Caravan of Courage, a lot. Like, that was one of those ones that was just always fucking on, like, you know, TBS or whatever, like, the you know, Saturday afternoon TV kind of thing. It yeah. was just always on. And and I remember being absolutely goddamn terrified of that, like, giant spider creature <laughs> in that movie in particular. I have, I have no recollection of that whatsoever. I know I've seen it. I'm sure I've seen it, but I have no. Yeah, was it Sin- Sindel, the, the little, like, curly haired cherub girl kind of thing uh, ends up, like, caught in the web of this giant like shelob-esque spider beast sort of thing and uh, i also remember watching a lot of hours of the the droids cartoon yeah paul and i were maligning that cartoon actually while i was talking to him about this what, topic. <laughs> what? 
Those fucking cartoons. I like Blasphemy. I like that George cartoon. They were like more than more than Ewoks. Those are like the shitty cartoons that came on like Sunday afternoon when it was like nothing else to uh, watch like whatsoever. They were garbage. And that's probably why I watched so much of it because like it was the only thing on on that time slot sort of thing. I don't droids probably wasn't as bad as the fucking Ewoks cartoon. That was the one that I was Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. even as a child thinking like Ewok like I know this says Star Wars but it looks like Care Bears. Yeah, and it sucks. Yeah. And it really sucks. I can remember both those theme songs in my head like to a T yeah. as well. That's Four, three, two, one. <laughs> the droids had like that sort of uh industrial sound like they were playing it on power tools or But as far as what sort of endeared me to Star Wars as a kid, I think it was uh, it was part partially sort of what uh, Spears said, like it was just such a lush world. Like, you know, you look at something like Star Trek is the easiest comparison. Every race in Star Trek, like a new race was a huge thing. And then you get Star Wars and you walk into like the cantina and there's 30 fucking like different alien races. Just as you look around and you're like, I have no I I want to know more about all of these kind of things. And somebody wrote a book for you to find out about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did have uh, I remember I had a Star Wars screensaver that Lucasfilm did. This is back when like people would fucking buy special screensavers. And one of the things that it had were like bio screens for all these different characters. So I would just sit there, yep. let this fucking screensaver go for hours and just sit there and read about these like minor characters that don't even have lines in the cantina or, or like the the different uh, bounty hunters and shit like that and yeah i can't make fun of you i own like all the star trek tech manuals so that's not something i can <laughs> talk. yeah as as do i am um but but overall the world itself was just okay. really interesting to me like it was strange yet familiar it so many like space and sci-fi movies seem like super like foreign and alien and they're not really relatable because of that Whereas Star Wars always felt a lot closer to our world. It felt a lot more like lived in and sort of grungy. And so it was just easier, I think, for me to identify with than this like nice, clean, fancy world that you would get in more utopian sci-fi. And plus the fucking the laser swords, the outstanding score and like the effects that were just unprecedented in the time went a long way as well. Miss Christie. When I first discovered it, I remember we used to have this giant blue big beanbag chair that was like eight feet by eight feet. And my dad brought us all down, my sister, my brother, and I, and my mom, and sat Amberly, Nick, and I in the beanbag chair and said, I'm going to introduce you to a movie that's going to change your life. <laughs> so like not, and not overselling he, it at all, he had right? just got the big screen. Yeah. He had just gotten the big screen TV. And then he Excuse played me. the Shin's new slang, right? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he'd just gotten this. He was so proud of his big screen TV. And he turned off all the lights. And this is after we'd already experienced like the Lion King opening and Top Gun <laughs> opening. Because he wanted to show us how important it was. <laughs> I do remember how much your dad loved just the opening <laughs> of Top Gun. Freaking loves the opening <laughs> of Top Gun. For 10 minutes, guys, it's like everything you can want in a movie. It's got Tom Cruise. It's got shit blowing yeah. up. Highway it's got Kenny Loggins. The what the fuck more do you want from a movie than Kenny Loggins? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't the Lion King opening, which was... It's the Christy, Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Sorry. So he like built it up. He sat us down. He turned off all the lights. He told us to get comfy. And then he put in the tape and like he'd fast forwarded it 
just so it wasn't like you didn't have previews. So all you heard was like, the you just saw all of a sudden the text coming up. Oh no, no, it was immediately. It was just like. <sighs> Pause because we have to read it. Pause because we were kids. Like, took us. He didn't. He didn't narrate it out for you. Sounding out some of the words. Well, he encouraged us to read. Wow. They were big readers. So we watched a new hope. And I remember just sitting there and being like, oh, because <laughs> Leia was just so badass. I just remember like watching R2 and being like, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my <laughs> only hope. And I was like so pumped. I was totally terrified of like all of the scary scenes because I had to be like seven, hmm. six or seven because they just released the box set remastered. Oh, the THX uh, remastered one. So no new effects, no new scenes. Yeah, no. Just kind of cleaned no, up just, and better sound. And I was, yeah. yeah. Was that the first time they released it with surround sound too? In- yes. Yeah, nice. And we had surround sound. So dad was experiencing it for the first time himself. And as soon as we were done A New Hope, popped in the next one. And we just all sat there as a family. We ordered pizza and we just like watched the first two movies just like back to front and just like in awe the whole time because we'd also never seen anything on this big of a screen save a movie Mm. so it was like this big experience and then they made us wait a week and a half two weeks before we watched the final movie oh why and so we're all just like amberly nick and i are like oh (laughs) what happens and dad was like you have to wait you have to wait you have to learn and you know it was before (laughs) so like i would just sit i would sit with the back with the with the sleeve just reading the back of it and trying to glean the story points. Yeah. I'd be, <laughs> and then like there were moments when I'd try to like steal away to watch it because we had this little screen in our playroom and my dad was like, absolutely not. <laughs> so I just sit there with the box, just reading it and being like, okay, so Luke's still alive. <laughs> like, okay. It doesn't look like it's okay, but everything's probably going to be okay. Cause dad also, had a track record of betraying us with plots. <laughs> like you guys have heard my Titanic story when like he took us to go see Titanic on the biggest screen. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. So yes that's right. I'll tell that you really quick funny. if you haven't heard it. I don't think I've heard it. Yeah. My dad took my sister and I to go see Titanic on the biggest screen in Canada at the time, the, uh, at Ontario place. And we all did it separately because everybody was like, jam-packed in there and Amberly and I both have these giant things of popcorn and at the middle section they had let you have an intermission so you get up and stand around and move and Amberly and I find dad and we're you know the ship has just started sinking and so Amberly and I are like <laughs> my tank's gonna be okay right what happens to the Titanic because we didn't know <laughs> and I had to be younger than that I had to be around the same time as Star Wars the first time I saw it and I remember no, man. Titanic came out in like 97 yeah, or a few years like later, that, didn't it? Yeah. No, I mean that like... That sounds about right for the THX box. Yeah, yeah maybe. So I don't... It, it was like similar... It was within a year or two. So after the movie, Amberly and I were both so upset <laughs> with what had happened, we just vomited into our popcorn <laughs> <laughs> We were devastated. This, so this like, is why we keep Christy around, Pierce. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> she's got so many gems like that. <laughs> so, like, was it immediate? Like, did you try yeah, to hold it like, back at all, or was it just like, like hair trigger, just like? So Amberly threw started throwing up when she let Jack go, and. <laughs> I was like, I'll never let go, Jack. Let him go. And after the movie, I just remember sitting there, and all of a sudden, it was just like the credits started rolling, and I was just like, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with the fact it was over. I kept thinking it was going to be better, and it wasn't. And then she fucking drops the heart of the ocean. How would it be better? Like, I, does Jack swim back up and be like, "No, I was just, just fucking just around with you." He like finds out when he's older, and he's just like, "Ha ha, JK." Um, so like, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, so Star Wars Titanic like, Two. Oh, this is Jack's awkward. Revenge. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, you still have that you still have that necklace I gave you, right? Oh uh, well, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I would watch like a heavily made up like zombie fucking Leonardo DiCaprio chasing a grown up Kate Winslet. Ba- basically, just because I want to watch Kate Winslet. But that's I'd <laughs> you watch that. You literally said you'd never let go, and five seconds later, <laughs> <laughs> you traitorous whore. <laughs> yeah, that's better. You traitorous whore. I'll kill you like one of my French girls. <laughs> I am Jack the Ripper. There's the twist. <laughs> All right, we're doing yeah. more story pitches on this episode, apparently. Yes, guys. Jack the Ripper, Titanic 2, Jack the Ripper. Christy, I need you to write that script. <laughs> and we need to do a comic book of it. Just Attention, James Cameron. We'll get sued by everybody. We're Yeah. Fake, don't fucking call James Cameron. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. No, guys, think about it though. Jack's so mad after he thaws out that he like. <laughs> Moves to England because that's he's like an evil Captain America. <laughs> I was just gonna say he's like the bad Captain America. Yeah. And he's just like, fuck, fuck bitches. Like, I'm taking get y'all money. out. Yeah. Get money. <laughs> fuck bitches. Because of the timeline yeah. totally match. But anyway, so Star Wars. So, <laughs> so I'm, I would just oh read God. the back of the box because I needed to know. And so after a week and a half, we finally watched it. And I was, like, devastated. So, yeah, Star Wars for me was, I loved it ever since I was young. And we have, like, some of Dad's old 70s toys, but we also have a lot of the ones that came out in the 90s when they released the THX Mm. box because it was such Mm -hmm. a big deal. So I used to carry a C-3PO and an R2-D2 figurine around with me everywhere. Cool. I loved R2. He had this little little, um, piece of blue at the top of his head. That if you let light shine in and you directed light, it came out through another yeah. front piece and like you'd get a little like glow. It was so cool. Fancy. Yeah. So that's what kept you coming back? I just love the story. I've been like hooked on really good storytelling. And like admittedly, there were some plot holes here and there, but Star Wars was always a really good story. And I enjoyed that it was like Tim said, it was like kind of that element that it was close enough that you could put yourself into the shoes and imagine yourself as a as a Jedi or a Sith if you were twisted. And <laughs> you know, you could en- you could envision that Thanks. pretty easily and enjoy it and feel like you were a participant in people wanted to talk about Star Wars. It was one of the geek things that everybody was kind of cool with talking about. So That's true. Yeah. In the day in the days where being a nerd was not cool. Like Star Wars was one of those things that you could be a public nerd about and everybody would be like, yeah, it's fucking Star Wars. Yeah. Everybody likes it. 
All right. So that leaves me. Yeah. I don't have a awesome story like Chrissy does when it comes to seeing it the first time. I don't actually remember seeing it for the first <laughs> time anymore. It's definitely one of those movies that like we're just kind of on in the house. Mom loved this kind of stuff. Also, mom loved Harrison mm-hmm. Ford or loves Harrison Ford. So I'm sure that didn't hurt anything whatsoever. Well, he's a really great guy. Well, I don't know. He's an exceptional actor. I'm really wrong. No, we're going to do the. Yeah, that's my Harrison Ford right there. Yeah. So, but like, yeah. And in terms of like it making a huge impact on me, I mean, I think it has more of an impact on me based on my friends are all obsessed with it. And like, I grew up like through high school with Eric, who was yeah. just, oh my God, I saw Empire so many times, just <laughs> so many times. So yeah, so that was my, my experience with Star Wars is much more limited. Like I'm not that big a fan of it. Uh, I've seen them a couple of times, but. <laughs> Did you were a huge Star Trek guy growing up, right? I am. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever feel like, like a tension or an animosity between the two? I never cared one way or the other. I like I watched the Star Wars movies. I thought they were great. I think the reason why I kind of went into like Star Trek was because there was just more of it to consume. It felt like like it wasn't like mm-hmm. three movies and a bunch of books and maybe some comics like Star Trek had all that had all the books. It had the comics and it also had like at that point two series starting on to three kind of to watch along with the animated series if you could find it back then but yeah. nobody could it wasn't the same lived in world but it was a very like well like very thought out world so there was a lot of like stuff to look at like you could read tech manuals about how the enterprise ran and shit like that and my little 10 year old brain was obsessed with that kind of stuff so i i skewed into star trek i guess more but cool it wasn't like i hated one or the other it was just like yeah more star trek to consume so i am not like more or less immediately go it's like me being a comic book fan. It's like, who's got the most stuff that I can go and read? Oh, Batman. Well, there's 800 issues of that. So let's go figure it out kind of thing. So cool. A lot of the geeks I knew like really went like, like it was a Marvel DC kind of thing. Like yeah. the divide was that deep. I don't remember hearing that kind of shit too much till the internet. Like it was the internet when that kind of became like a yeah. thing. And even then I was like, I mean, at the time too, which we were about to get to. The internet's not divisive. No. Shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, but that's what we're about to get to. By the time that became an actual thing, like we were into the prequels, which I mean, they all sucked anyway. So like, I don't know. Mm. But this is your chance, Tim, because that's what I want right now. I want to talk about prequels because we're kind of in like we've talked about the original trilogy and how much we all like it or love it in you guys cases but like the prequels where i'm like how defend this to me i guess like what's your opinion (laughs) on these things spears why don't we start with spears i was just gonna let one of you fucking pitch at me i don't really care (laughs) (laughs) you all just got got, like who's gonna who's gonna step in front of that Exactly. I was like, yeah. who's going to step in front of that bullet? Like, immediately, everybody got nerd timid on me. I was like, what happened? Like, my, my pod beers volunteers tribute. Right, yeah. There it is. <laughs> I, I did. I did a visual gag that no one could see. It was really lame, though. So I'm glad you didn't. Then I talked. I think the prequels were, I think, good stories trying to get out of bad movies. George. Interesting. I think yeah. there was some actual interesting sci-fi in episode one, as far as the midichlorians are concerned, and that wasn't something I was expecting in a Star Trek film. A Star Wars film? That's not something I was expecting from a Star Wars film. Spears! I'm leaving that in, buddy. You know, I'm not cutting that, right? Spears! Yeah. Oh, damn it. What just happened there? Spears! Well... Of all of us to make that mistake! No, 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 and here, here's why I'm sticking by it. I still want to redeem the midichlorians. Original trilogy was the sort of this great, not template, what sort of archetypal. It was this, it became this great archetypal story. 
And the prequels were really about exploring the the backstory of how things became the way they were and just sort of fleshing out the mythology. In some ways, it does this really well by like letting you see what the Jedi Council looked like, letting you see where the great armies of the Republic came from and the progression visually from where we are at the beginning of, of prequel number one, where the galaxy is shiny and everything looks very Buck Rogersy. To where we end up in episode four, where everything is lived in and grungy and looks like it's been through a galactic civil war. In that regard, I think they're successful and interesting. I was always more in- by the time Revenge of the Sith rolled around, I was more interested in looking at the movies than watching them. Yeah. So that was the only one of the prequels that I actually rewatched. Like I watched the original trilogy this weekend just because I was like, I haven't seen them in ages and we're going to talk about Star Wars. I should probably like kind of brush up at least a little bit. So when I got through the original trilogy, I was like, I should maybe, well, I watched Rogue One too, because that's my, like, I love that movie. Mm. But like, I just got, I needed that ending before I got into episode four. But I was, I watched Revenge of the Sith last night. And holy shit, like, it is, like, it's a really good looking movie. With, yeah, but with some rough writing. Man, it's a slog to get through oh, the first dude. half of that fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think the reason for that is that George Lucas is great at, inventing a world Mm -hmm. and maybe even good at thinking of characters to be in that world. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that he can get an actor to perform. Mm -mm. I don't think he can add it. And especially if you watch the behind the scenes footage from the prequels, like the biggest gift to humanity that George Lucas ever gave us was putting those features on the DVDs for the prequels. (laughs) Cause man, oh man, you see the pictures of him like directing Hayden Christensen on set. Like, you, you can see the life going out of Hayden's eyes. Quote-unquote quote directing. Yeah. Poor Hayden Christensen. I feel like he got fucked Oh, dude, Natalie Portman got it the worst. Like, of all of them. Um, she's recovered. Well, her, yeah. Her, her career survived, at least. Yeah, who, like, that, who, who was in the prequels that, like, made it out unscathed for the most part? I mean, Jimmy Smith was in there. Ewan McGregor. McGregor. Yeah. Liam Neeson. McGregor. Yeah, it actually did good things for his career because he was a shining part of those of those prequels. What you McGregor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was the thing. Like I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm like, man, I want that Obi Wan movie real fucking bad. Right now. <laughs> like, but yeah, because he was he was good. Yeah, no, no, he was excellent. But yeah, it's like those prequels. I just remember the hype building up to Episode One, and just like the the excruciating fucking letdown of sitting through that movie for the first time was just like. I was like, man, this it, it it's not it's not the same. Like the magic's gone, and I wasn't really expecting that much magic because I was like, it's twenty years removed, and the only person who, like everybody was super hyped around me, and I was just like, I guess this is cool, hmm. guess. But man, people lost their shit for that movie, and it just, whew, what a that was quite the sit. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, <laughs> you also have to imagine this through the children's eyes. Yes, it was very much children who were discovering. Yeah. It was made for them. Yeah. Like, as adults, when it when Star Wars came out, I'm sure there was a whole generation who were just like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But with the prequels, I think the problem was there was so much grounded in the lore already. The internet had just been born, like, a number of years prior, so there were already people who were talking about the fandom and, like, who were, like, starting to build up these hopes and it was the first real trilogy prequel that had come out majorly, excuse me, sorry, that had come out majorly for 
something like this. Like, what else did we have? In terms of prequel movies kind of thing? Nothing, nothing yeah. this high profile, what else did we for have? sure. Yeah. And so I think that part of the problem was that George Lucas focused less on the writing and the script and whether the story was fan service versus what the story was supposed to be and the visuals. Yeah. And he lacked the actual direction that had made the Star Wars movies so critically acclaimed. Well, it's funny having just rewatched them because like the the woodenness of the performances in A New Hope are way more apparent when you watch them like back to back with the other mm-hmm. movies because they really like loosen up a lot under uh is it Lawrence Kasdan who directed uh, it? Irving Kirshner does Empire and Kasdan does uh, Jedi. No, it's Marcon who does Jedi. Oh yeah, yeah. Did Kasdan write? Kasdan, I, I think Kasdan yeah. Kasdan wrote. Yeah, I think yeah. Kasdan wrote. But yeah, though I was watching the first one, I'm like, man, the acting in this is very similar to what I remember from those prequels. And then when I watch Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, yep, this is George Lucas directing. Does not give a <laughs> shit about performance whatsoever. Like, no reality to any of those performances whatsoever. Just the most wooden, bored dialogue of all time. I've never seen Natalie Portman bored. Well, I mean, I've seen the Thor movie, so I've seen her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not like that bored where she's like really at the like is breaking into her career and she looks like she's miserable on set. Like the second movie, I'm like, yeah, well, that bodes well yeah. for the third one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so that's awesome. But Tim, this is something I've been waiting to hear your defense of for like right. 102 goddamn episodes. <laughs> Give me the good shit, buddy. Bring me the good shit. Give me that good shit. Give me that good show. I consider myself a mild apologist of the prequels. Episodes two and three more than episode one. Yes, there are certain elements that of them that are unforgivable. <laughs> a- Asian Asian a- trade aliens being one yeah. of them, absolutely. Jake Lloyd probably being another overall. Yeah, speaking of people who took it on the fucking chin. I remember yeah. being in the theater when that movie came out and yelling at the screen that Haley Joel Osment is right there. <laughs> right there. How do you miss that? Yeah. That being said, my argument for the prequels is always, I think, sort of similar to what Spears said, is that they add more positive aspects than negative to the saga overall. There's a lot of cool shit that they add to them in terms of world building stuff, in terms of sort of seeing how we get these, not only these characters, but this world to where we see it in episode four. And also just like individual scenes, like what Chrissy was talking about, Obi-Wan, like his stuff and seeing his sort of journey and how he when depending on how you look at it fails anakin that kind of thing like there's i'm happy to appreciate the prequels for the cool stuff that they introduce like fucking darth maul and we get to see sort of the jedi yeah we get to see the jedi order when it's still maybe not at its height but it's still like a you know real sort of entity and that kind of thing and there's a lot of great stuff in the prequels if you're willing to look past certain things if you're willing to look past the performances, yeah. Gungans in yeah. general, yeah. for instance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's weird. Like where Star Wars is concerned, I generally think that the intent of the creators isn't as important as the products. So for George Lucas to have intended whatever he intended with the prequels doesn't matter quite so much as what we ended up seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. But. One one area where I think that becomes really important is how the way that they depict the Jedi. 
Because when you watch the original trilogy, I think you picture the Jedi as being more like, you know, despite the samurai kind of trappings of them, you kind of picture them like Arthurian knights in a way, like dudes who would go out and right wrongs and fight evil and be, you know, knightly. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's not what we got in the prequels. Yeah. They play on so many different archetypes, though. Like you get the samurai aspect, you get like that. You also get sort of a swashbuckling kind of aspect from it as well. And like there's, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of dimensions. And I think that's one of the things that makes the the Star Wars movies as a whole so relatable is that it it's like, hey, here's these genres that, you know, and love, but in space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that I think part of the problem tends to still be that it was such it was one of the biggest things that had hype at the time one of the biggest opportunities for you know hype and so many people had so many expectations that there was no way it was ever going to live up mm-hmm. but they really did botch a number of things like what tim was saying and that that's hard that's hard to come back from when fans who were so like they were so ready to love it really gleamed onto those like negative bits because they were just disappointed yeah they were overall they were just sad and i think that was part of the the heartache for them was that you know it wasn't that the movies themselves were bad it's that they hadn't been what they had expected they'd built too much up in their own minds to be fair those movies are pretty fucking bad <laughs> but at least the first two are like not no uh, even good. the third like they're there's they're good there's good stuff in them yeah there's some yeah great moments and i just imagine like if george lucas had just reached out to some of his buds just been like hey steven can can you like rewrite a couple of these lines of dialogue yeah absolutely you know like francis ford you want to shoot a couple scenes for me on this movie like well even even like he had who would end up being noted as a very skilled script doctor fucking carrie fisher he could have gone back to her and been like, hey, I know yeah. you do a lot of work on scripts. Can you look at my scripts for these new movies and see maybe what you changed in that kind of thing? Was she doing that work? Well, no, I'm talking like I'm talking in the 90s for the prequels. Yeah. Oh, like, oh yeah, for the prequels. You yeah, say yeah, that, yeah, but absolutely. I raise you this. If you are George Lucas and you are living in the beauty and stress that is the fandom of Star Wars and you've been told that you've made these absolute phenomenal classics films that will be remembered for time and that you headlined and you were the one who made them and you've written these three scripts that are true to your vision the more people tell you they don't like it the more you will cling to the ideas that you've created and that you will convince yourself they are good he was never going to ask people for help because he was never in a position where he thought he needed it but on the flip side, it's not solely his decision. Like, you know, the, there's studios involved here, right? Like, I can, I'll can, i give, well, give you that for Phantom there's Menace. Really, though, but then when Phantom Menace comes out and people are like, mm, that had some weird shit in it, then I think that the studio steps in and says like, all right, George, we'll take what you started with and well, let's just, you know, make sure that it's really going to make people happy. Before I know, part, of the, part of the problem, though, else. part of the problem with the production of the prequels is Fox was in as a distributor, but George was holding the reins. Like yeah. Lucas, mm-hmm. Lucasfilm was him and only him, and he'd set it up that way intentionally. He viewed yeah. the collaboration on Empire and Jedi as sort of necessary evils. He, I think he saw that as sort of taking it on the chin. 
so that when he did Star Wars again, he could do it his way. Yeah. And I think that was part of the hype. Yeah. Like you were finally seeing Star Wars like unfiltered the way that the the master, the creator, the auteur had always kind of pictured them. And and what did we get? Like, me, some people going to die. <laughs> well, people felt betrayed. And actually, I think that the studio was part of the problem in that, yeah, they stepped in, but they didn't know Star Wars. Like the people at the studio might not necessarily have been hardcore dire fans and what do you say to someone who believes they're a genius about this stuff whose story it is when for you know the last 25 years it's been one of the greatest films of all time yeah there's an easy answer to that you do exactly what disney did hey george here's four million four billion dollars <laughs> fuck well, off yeah, make some more of these nobody movies. had that money at the time to do that because they thought it was going to be successful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Disney probably had four million dollars. Yeah, but they, they, wanted to. they thought it was going to be successful. No, 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 absolutely. At the time, it didn't matter, right? Hmm. It was totally different. Yeah, I wonder what it would have been if Disney, if Disney had eaten Lucasfilm in the '90s. Yeah, like, or if so, anybody else had eaten Lucasfilm. But who did they have? Like, who are the like in terms of Disney's really accomplished like live action big budget directors? Yeah. Would it have been Jerry Brockheimer's Star Wars? Maybe, or or you get like someone like uh, John Lasseter or somebody like that who is, I guess, I I can't remember exactly when that Disney Pixar merge had happened, but it must have been like in the late nineties. It was mid nineties, if I'm not mistaken, because that was when Steve Jobs like Steve Jobs did that, and then he went to NX, NEXT, mm-hmm. and then he went to back to Apple. So when did the first Toy Story come out? Ninety five, ninety four. I want to say it was the and, first Toy Story. Yeah, it was. Just, it was just before that. Oh, that, dude, and all those guys were huge Star Wars fans. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, like John Lasseter yeah, and Brad involved. Bird, like, like their prequels? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Brad Bird of Star Wars is something I could get into. It. Yeah. Like that's where you're like, yeah, that's a writer I could be like, yeah, just go do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't, I'm not gonna write. Oh my that. god. It's just Obi-Wan and Anakin like skipping down the sidewalk to you've got a friend in me. Wow. Yeah. I'd watch it. Honestly, I take that over the weird date rapey shit that was going on in the second. <laughs> Some of those looks he's given her are just like uncomfortable. And oh god. It's in the Me Too era, it is an unpleasant sit. So I don't remember any of that. Oh man, I like we were in the theater. I almost got into a fist fight with Eric because I could not stop making fun of him for like the leer. Like he was just leering at her the whole time and saying creepy shit. I was like, Oh, Anakin to Padme. Yeah. Yeah. In, at, oh, in you were thinking Obi Wan to Anakin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was slash, slash fake shit. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure that exists somewhere on the internet. I and mean, that doesn't even have to wait for us to talk about it. I know that's out there. So, all right. So that's the prequels. How are you guys feeling about that? Feeling good about that? You feel like we've had enough of an argument now? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think it was an argument. I think it's a debate. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've tried to support the prequels enough in my life that I understand it's a losing battle at this point. It is very much a losing <laughs> battle. All right, let's move forward to a maybe not so losing battle. So we're in like the modern Disney era of Star Wars. Like, where are you guys sitting now with how the franchise is being handled? Like, we've had four movies now. I don't know. I know yep. Christy and Jay haven't seen Solo Solo yet. But you've seen the other, like you've seen the other two saga movies and like you've seen Rogue One. So like, where do you guys, how are you feeling about Disney having the reins of everything now? Well, I stick by what I said. I really enjoyed Force Awakens, but it was fan service. The, it was a new hope all over again. Yeah. yeah. You have to come home. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's why it was so successful. I do enjoy the female. I do enjoy Ray. 
being in charge, being the one who's learning and everything. But yeah, I don't know. I I wasn't psyched about The Last Jedi. I did not like what they did to Luke. I understand why they did it, but I did not like it. Did you guys see that story that came out today about that interview? I did. did. I didn't read it, no. but it sounds like he's sort of come to terms with Luke's story arc is what the what I gathered. He's he mm. he he kind of likens it to the fact that like they were like supposed to be the generation that like fixed everything. And like, that's what that group of people was. And like, oh, shit. That, so it's, like, he's coming to terms with like the fact that baby boomers just fucked everything. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, my generation failed and we fucked everything up. So that's pretty <laughs> much what Luke was going through. It, it's he Luke was just the baby boomer who was a hippie and realized that like he wasn't making anything any better and just kind of fucking gave up. So that's kind of what that's the gist of what he said. I'm probably I'm butchering. I'm there for that that but, interpretation. No, that, but 100 percent Yeah, no, it works it works for me considering what they actually did. Like I'm like, if that's the way they're gonna go, then yeah, fine. Like I, I can live with that. Cause at least it gives because he was pissed about it at first. Like he was not happy with it. Like it it, it was mm-hmm. noted in the press all over the place that he was like, I'm not mm-hmm. super keen on like how they're handling Luke here, but I think like having gone through that and like thought about it that way, that's to me, at least that kind of like rectifies my problem with Luke's dumb decision to not go to the fucking planet. Like it, it still baffles yeah. me, but anyway, <laughs> I just, it, I hope he comes back in the next one. I desperately hope he does. Oh, he backs up as a spirit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah as the force goes, but I just found that I, I was disappointed. I didn't like Kylo and Ray all of a sudden having this like mind connection and like turning turning on each other but not turning on each other i don't know i just i found myself unsatisfied but it might just be because it's the it's the bridge film yeah. so i don't know but i mean rogue one was great rogue one's like still my favorite like i think it's actually and we'll we'll got we'll get to this later but like i think it's actually my favorite star wars movie still Ooh. yeah hmm. yeah i mean i think mine's jedi <laughs> really well, we'll get to that. That's, yeah, we'll get to that. That's that's, that's lightning round. That's yeah, later. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. yeah, in terms of the the new stuff, the Disney movies, I've and it's not just because I'm a Disney shill, but I've enjoyed them all so far to varying degrees. There are certain aspects of each one where I'm like, eh, okay, I'm not crazy about that. Real, like but... <laughs> Canto Bite, for instance. <laughs> yeah. But I'm unlike a lot of Star Wars fans, I'm perfectly fine with the subversion that episode eight gave us and how it is basically like taking a lot of the tropes and turning them on their heads and saying, Hey, maybe things aren't exactly how we thought they'd been kind of thing, or things are changing. And a lot of nerds don't like change apparently. And (laughs) ask transformers fans. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) I still think that there were some unnecessary character developments and, like unnecessary characters like i feel bad about rose because she shouldn't have been getting the flack that she did but i still didn't like her character and the fact that she like kissed um finn 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 Finn. i'm just like boo oh it was such a lame kiss too like they set they set it up there's even like this huge explosion in the background it's just like a little peck (laughs) stupid it's like what the at least do the slow-mo like full-on if you're gonna go that like if you're going to go into that stereotype that far, then, you know, go for it. He's never going to choose you. He's never going to choose her over, over Ray. 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 I was about, I was trying to think of Oscar Isaac's character. Uh, <laughs> Poe. Uh, Poe. 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 The Poe Finn. Choose you over Poe. Yeah. The Poe Finn shippers. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, I, I'm very much happy with understanding that, yes, this is a handoff to a younger generation of characters and also fans. I'm also very hesitant to sort of cast judgment on the overall trilogy, knowing that Empire was pretty brutally reviewed when it first came out. But then when you have the context of Jedi to look back on it, it is looked down by most people as, you know, the most the favorite entry in the whole series kind of thing. So, yes, Episode eight did some things that are all sort of up in the air right now. We don't know where the chips are going to fall. But so there are certain aspects of it where I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, just going to wait and see on that part of it kind of thing. And, And the Rose Finn thing is one of those. The strongest criticism that I've heard of eight that I think is valid removed of all like fanish, like rose colored glasses and any of that. I think the, the most legitimate objective criticism of last Jedi is that with the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, you had some sense that there was momentum that the Mm -hmm. third movie was going to connect to the second, which connected to the first this time. It doesn't necessarily feel that way. It feels like J.J. Abrams made a movie and that movie had one feel, one aesthetic, one plot direction. Then Ryan Johnson made a movie with a completely different aesthetic and a completely different plot direction. And now it's going back to J.J. So the question is, is J.J. just going to sort of roll back as much of what Ryan did as possible and just continue on with what he was doing, kind of ignoring the middle step? I think if he does that, it's a, that's a disaster. Like, yeah, I think that's uh, a bad, yeah. bad call for sure. Yeah. If he does, but it feels possible to me. And you know, as bad as as Attack of the Clones may have been, I never got the feeling that George was ever going to like erase it. You know, like it mm-hmm. still counted. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm kind of worried that Episode Nine is going to be like Crisis on Infinite Star Wars's, and they're going to like just like knock over all the ant hills and. Be like, hey, look, it's Ray, and she's blowing up the Death Star or something. Star Wars, yeah. just Deus Ex Machina, something to bring like bring a status quo back that people that that your sort of angry Star Wars fan is going to get back on board with or something. God, how insulting would that be if in the third reel, like Luke, Han, and Leia just like strut out and are like, "Well, I guess we gotta fix all this." <laughs> we're from an alternate universe womp womp <laughs> they're gonna have to find a Carrie Fisher from an alternate universe to do that so that would <laughs> be a big oh, they did it once uh, well in Rogue One yeah I know but, I, that, that still like one of the worst effects I've ever yeah. seen <laughs> <laughs> has it stopped them before no yeah no but what my hope is though and what I loved about episode 8 is that it it t- it hits so many plot beats from from Empire and Jedi, it feels like it's sped through kind of like two steps in the trilogy instead of one. And that puts us going into movie three in a place that Star Wars has never been before. Oh. Now that we're two, we're kind of two trilogies in, you very much get the feeling, especially because of all George Lucas's talk about archetypal writing and following these how these stories follow these patterns now you've got a story that is both in the story and kind of on a, at a meta level about breaking that pattern yeah i feel like everything's up for grabs right now 
Like what I was waiting for and what I heard a little bit of in Luke's talk about what the force was when he was teaching Ray is he talks about like why the Jedi failed and how their like their arrogance and their kind of the way that they overlooked sort of actually taking care of people led to the rise of the empire and all of this bad stuff. I think that taken with the troubled uh, Canto bite sequence, <laughs> I think we're seeing the axis of what's good and what's bad shifting because I think maybe Finn and Ray are starting to realize that who they think are the bad guys aren't the bad guys. The problem isn't winning the war. The problem is ending the war. Yeah. And if you blow up the first order, someone else is just going to step up and be the new empire after them. Just like they were the, the empire followed the Sith order and the Sith order followed the proto Sith from way, you know, way back in the lore. Star Wars stories are built on this, like this endless cycle. And if what this trilogy is actually about is breaking that cycle in a way that's meaningful, I'm down for that. Yep. I'm just not sure that's what JJ's going to do. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that if, like I said, they've done so much great subversion already that uh, if they sort of stick with that, then I'm there for it. But if they do play it safe, I I know a lot of people will probably be happy, but I will be upset. Nice. All right. We've actually covered a lot of ground. We did pretty good tonight, kids. <laughs> Yay! So, my last big question. What, we've talked about, like, each of the eras of Star Wars now. What do you want to see going forward now? Like, we know we're going to get Star Wars movies in perpetuity. <laughs> like, there's fucking, <laughs> what, two more trilogies being kind of talked about, along with a bunch of, like, story movies. What do you want to see from Star Wars going forward? And let's, I'll, I'll start with Spears and then we'll go down the, the line. Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, okay. that's my shit too. 100%. I want to see them go far, like, before the prequels by generations upon generations. I want to see the Jedi in their, like, actual heyday, you know, before they sort of became this bureaucratic, sitting around in rooms having meetings kind of organization. You know, I'd almost want to see, like, I don't know. I love the games dearly, and as much as I would love to see those plots or plots like them on the big screen, I would really like to see almost like like a Gunsmoke kind of thing, where you're following a Jedi and, you know, his, like, his party as they just sort of cruise through the universe doing cool Jedi stuff. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, a whole trilogy of that? It doesn't have to be a trilogy. Maybe, be I don't know. standalones or whatever. You could do a standalone that kind of captures a that was almost like a firefly with laser swords. That's what I want to see. Okay. Understood. Fair enough. What about you, Christy? I'd really like to see the Obi-Wan film. That's my my number one now. Like I need to see Mm -hmm. you McGregor, like with the saber in his hand again. Uh, Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he's awesome. But I just want to see Obi-Wan training. I mean, I would love that. I would love to see him training with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. And because I think Liam Neeson was kind of robbed of a role there. Qui-Gon wasn't great. I feel like Liam Neeson did all right for himself. (laughs) I mean, between his massive dong. (laughs) But no, do you know what I mean? Though, Like the writing was so poor for Qui-Gon because he was in episode one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I really feel like Qui-Gon could have had some cool, like 
some cool shit happening to make us understand why he was so revered. They make him sound a lot cooler when they mention him in dialogue in the other movies yes. than they he ever really is on mm-hmm. screen in episode one. It's like they're talking about a completely they, they talk to him talk about him like he's a rock star, and like what we saw on screen was just kind of like he seemed like middle of the road kind of like respected elderly fucking Jedi guy who just you know does his job and upholds the order and that's about it kind of thing they didn't do anything exciting with them whereas like you hear afterwards always like man Qui-Gon was like the fucking best like Superman Batman combination like the greatest goddamn thing that ever happened to the Jedi Order thing it's like yeah I didn't see that I saw him get wiped out by the weird spiky head guy I don't (laughs) right (laughs) yeah I know his name I'm being a douche okay but yeah (laughs) I just think that though I would love to see that and it would also give me more of an insight into Yoda who I'm all about. I could I could do with a Yoda. I don't movie. really need to see a Yoda or I, I could handle a, a Yoda movie. I mean, like really? Yeah, I'd be I'd, I'd be okay with it as long as it wasn't. Doesn't have to be an origin necessarily. Like he's got fucking nine hundred years of story. Like there's got to be some cool shit in there. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind seeing him like at his peak. Yeah, like, yeah, just being like badass, yeah. like ultimate Jedi guy because he's just like that much more powerful than everybody and just. So hard to pull off, though. I feel like when you put the tiny lightsaber in his tiny little hand, something just goes. How dare you? I don't know, man. I like that when I'm watching episode two. the The moment that the that my hope oh. died, the moment that the movie became irredeemable to oh. me, was when Yoda pulled his lightsaber All right, out. Tim for a fight. Here we go. Star Wars nerd fight. Do it, boys. I I love that. I always like get super excited when I see like Yoda you know, do the pull or force pull the saber into his hand from his cloak like that. I mean, it's personal preference to each their own, but I fucking love that shit. And just seeing him just dance around all frantically and acrobatics all over the fucking place. See the first half of that fight with Dooku. I liked like that seemed to be a mode of combat with Yoda that I understood, like pulling stuff off the walls and throwing it at each other, absorbing and redirecting energy fighting more indirectly because I think where it falls down for me is Yoda's so connected to the force, to an sort of a paranormal, like ethereal kind of power The to have him fight with a lightsaber where Yoda holding his lightsaber out, gives him the reach roughly of like a 10 year old. Yeah. Right. Like at full extension. So if he's fighting another dude with a lightsaber, he's at a massive disadvantage. But he's got he's well, he's got the agility to make up for it and the Mm -hmm. speed, apparently. Yeah, I will say this. I was disappointed in the CGI in that fight. I understand they couldn't really do it with a puppet, but I was disappointed in the overall look of the fight. And I think that took away from, I think, the power that Yoda actually has. CGI Yoda was a bummer. Yeah. It definitely didn't work for me visually. But I think that's where you have to do the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I was there. You know, you have to believe that Yoda, Yoda is the strongest Jedi that ever was. Or at least the strongest we've seen in the movies we've, we've seen. Well, it's yeah. still Anakin, yeah. right? Like, is, is, isn't Anakin supposed to be, like, insanely more No, powerful? he's not stronger than Yoda. I don't think it's necessarily strength. He's just supposed to bring balance. Yeah, he was supposed to be the strongest, but because of his conflictions and because he was pulled to the dark side he never received his full oh, potential all right. that's why luke comes in i kind of see it as like sort of almost like a cable thing once he's in the vader suit he has to devote so much of his mental and physical energy to pain management 
that he can't mm-hmm. function at his full capacity anymore. I don't know. He, he still ripped those fuckers up on that Corvette at the, begin- the end of Rogue One. So, yeah. He did. That was incredible. Yeah, that, was a, that was a bunch of like baby rebels kind of thing. It was nothing. Still, still. That's not still. That was a great scene. We'll get to that. Was, All right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would like to see the Obi-Wan. I think that you could fit the Yoda f- story in Knights of the Old Republic trilogy. Uh, no, Knights of the Old Republic is even before Yoda. Yeah, it's oh, like thousands it? of years. It's thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Sorry, that's uh, my lore is my lore lack of. Lore Actually, Christy, that's sure. like it's a Bioware game. Did you not? Have you never played Knights of the Old Republic on the old Xbox? Early, early Bioware game. Yeah. No. Well, you should watch some. Watch. Some I never have either. Like it's, they're fantastic, especially uh, Knights Two. Like it's. It's so well acted and the story is so, so, so well done. I actually like that's one of the, the few turn based RPGs that I was. Well, it really even turn based. I don't know. I actually beat the first Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox, like the original Xbox. Like that's the only RPG I think I've ever finished, like beginning to front is that Star Wars game because it was just it's so well put together. So. All right. Lightning round. Do I get to say? Oh, do you, do you have no, something? I, I thought, I thought we all got yeah. through. So because Christy stole my Obi-Wan one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do really want to see the Obi-Wan movie too. Um, in terms of the currently in development or rumored stuff, I hope that in episode nine, we get to see a proper send off for Leia. And I hope that we learn a little bit more of the Knights of Ren. Cause that's one of those like story points. That's like just kind of out there and they haven't really done anything with it. So even if it's in flashback or whatever, regardless of the recent rumors about the anthology movies being on hold, which let's be completely clear on that. That's one of those, reports say bullshit stories which they came out this week and negated that but like disney okay. outright came out and was like no these movies are all still in development so yeah. we are getting this obi-wan movie at some point he's <laughs> beat george i guess like it's it's gonna happen eventually yeah and the boba fett movie too i'm i'm 100 yeah. percent fucking on board for the obi-wan or the obi-wan and boba fett movies I feel like the Boba Fett movie, I'm almost more on like not because like I don't really care about the character that much because he dies like a chump in the uh, in Jedi, but like I'm just more excited because they've got that the director of Logan doing it, which yeah. just means it, it's going to be and fucking badass. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm I'm totally on board with Spears in terms of like the not even just like that ancient Jedi order kind of idea. Like if you go back and listen to our first story pitch episode episode fifty, that was like I pitched Star Wars anthology series that is basically just massive world building because all of the star wars movies we've seen so far take place within one 70 year span like 35 bby and 35 after the battle of yab and aby and there's got to be so much more to that history than that like i want to see the history of species that that we haven't really seen so far i there's just yeah i want to see more of sort of the history of the jedi and the sith i want to see more about like the origin of like that mysticism, you know, them discovering, Hey, we can fashion these crystals into laser swords and shit like that. And I know a lot of that stuff has been covered in various games and expanded universe materials, but I really want to see it in like live action feature movies and TV shows. Yeah. You know, I went back not long ago and I reread the first three expanded universe novels, the heir to the empire, dark force rising and the last command. By Timothy mm-hmm. Zahn. They're the books that introduce uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm-hmm. I think I've read the first one of those for some reason. Yeah. And they they read like they would have been the best sequel films like imaginable. 
There's some stuff in it that wouldn't work on the screen the way it works on the page, but the in terms of the tone, like it got it just right. You know, it it balanced the mysticism of the Jedi with some actual like tactical uh, space combat and ground combat kind of problems, and it made the conflict between Thrawn and Leia seem like a chess game. I would love to see that come into a maybe maybe more into like the upcoming Resistance TV show mm-hmm. or something like that. But to see like the cat and mouse between two like between two generals, and then to get the soldier's eye view in the uh, in sort of the the second half of the story, like I would be down for that in Star Wars. Nice, nice, mm-hmm. cool. Anybody else have any thoughts? Anything else? I try and move us along lightning round time lightning round time all right so first things first favorite ship in you get to you can pick from any of these movies obviously like anything you've seen favorite ship this is my nerd question millennium falcon all the way 100 percent. sorry all right so chris we got christy's answer surely the death star can be referred to as a ship because like that the station to it can station <laughs> it's a station it's a station but it can move it it moves between systems it's no moon so yeah can, exactly right. it is technically referred to a space system but it moves or space station but it moves between star systems so it clearly has the ability for long distance travel death star is so central so does a planet it orbits not the same <laughs> not not under its own power <laughs> and Death Star is so central to Star Wars. Like, it's just one of those things you instantly think of and that I instantly associate with Star Wars. So, and that idea of a moon sized spaceship was just like blow me away, fucking cool when I was a kid. So, uh, and it really just, it was something I'd never seen before. And it's one of the things that helps set the stakes really high for Star Wars. Like, you've got a fucking planet killer in, in, on the board. So impractically big. How do you build that fucking thing? It just makes no sense. <laughs> Apparently in orbit of the moon. Yeah. But like, but where do you get the contractors? From? Wait, sorry. I'm just quoting Clerks. Now. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to Clerks. Yeah, that's a different episode. Sorry. I, <laughs> I got confused for a second. Jay. <laughs> I'm going to say the Executor, uh, Darth Vader's mm. star des- super star destroyer from Empire Strikes Back. I love that too. It- yeah. Yeah. From the first shot of the first Star Wars movie, you see how awesome and badass the Star Destroyers are. And then they start the second by showing you, wait, there is something bigger and more badasser. And more menacing. Yeah, more menacing, like a cooler profile. And yeah. Oh, it's, it's such an aggressive design. Yeah. And it's just, it's monstrous. Yeah, yeah what's, the, what's the, the scale on that thing supposed to be? I remember reading something that was supposed to be like kilometers long. I'm like, that seems impractical, but... It is it's, it's like three or four times the size of a Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah, easily. The shot that introduces it seems to imply that it could sort of swallow a Star Destroyer the way that the Star Destroyer swallowed the Rebel uh, blockade runner yeah. in the first movie. Yeah. Fair enough. So obnoxiously yeah. large. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, that's cool. I don't really have a favorite ship from Star, Star Wars. Favorite. I guess the X-Wings are pretty cool looking. I like the, the foily things. What do they call them? S-foil? Yeah, the S foils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought that was a neat like design. Totally impractical, but I always like the fighter designs are always kind of cool. Like the ties and like the the X wings. Some of the rebel ships are kind of fucking lame looking, but that's the main one's cool looking. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, I always love the look of the X wings. Uh, the Y wings I always took to be sort of like the junkier, older model. Aren't they mm-hmm. bombers? Yeah, I understand in the lore that they you know they they carry the heavy ordnance and they have a role as bombers, but. 
I remember as a kid watching it being like, oh, these poor guys got stuck with like the VW Beatles. Yeah. And, you know, Luke <laughs> gets to hop in the freaking Corvette. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just seeing there was an article. I want to say it, it popped up on io9 this past week that basically somebody sat down and like did aerodynamic models of all of the like all all the cruisers like all the fighters and shit like that and said they're all just aerodynamically fucking dog shit yeah but they're (laughs) they they fly they fight in atmosphere true yeah Mm -hmm. that that was my first thing was like well they're usually fighting in a vacuum but you definitely see them fight like in planetary atmospheres a lot the a-wing uh a-wings are should be aerodynamically sound should they you would yeah, I don't know. I I don't think they have enough enough area, surface area to get probably enough lift to function yeah. very well. But. but I mean, I think Star Wars kind of presupposes that you've got like science fiction amounts of engine power. Yeah, like you should have a way you'll have way more thrust it's, than you could realistically build into a machine that size. Yeah, they clearly have like anti gravity solutions for their speeders <laughs> and stuff. Like, why would they not implement that yeah. in their ships if you're gonna be in atmosphere? Like, if you can negate gravity. <laughs> to be fair, if you can negate gravity, you're doing power like that's power on a level that's like yeah. astronomically yeah. different than what we're kind of able yeah, to comprehend. You don't need aerodynamics really at that point. Yeah, so yeah. where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> we don't need physics. We still need to do Back to the Future too. <laughs> that would be an interesting episode. All right, favorite character. We'll start again at the top. Spears. Ooh, as a kid, it was 100% Luke. Okay, seeing his growth from like this, like hormonally imbalanced i barely know what i'm doing kind of kid in episode four to this dude who seems to have it all together in episode six was really cool for me like as a kid it's one of the few stories that i remember watching where the characters become more than what they like drastically more than what they begin as yeah you know, and that was, I don't know, for as a kid, like that was really, that was very important to me. Now, as a crusty old bastard, um, it's Obi-Wan. I can see why. Fair, fair. That's a good point. Like, yeah, he definitely fulfills the, you know, the the fantasy of being like the super parent. You know, you're, you're, all, you're there to sort of defend your, you know, sort of there to defend your kid. You teach them everything they need to know to get by in the universe. And then you go out like a rock star fighting the biggest bad that there is yeah that's that's fantastic he's like he is like the the coolest uncle in star wars you know what i mean like that's kind of what obi-wan ends up being so that's good i like that obi-wan's a good pull christy what about you uh hard hard choice between r2d2 and yoda really yes hard choice choice. wait are you just identifying (laughs) with the the shortest characters because they're the ones (laughs) identify most with (laughs) good good visual bit death stare there christy Okay, Chris, you have yeah, to now, now Tim start choking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. uh, there it is. You have to pick one, Christy. I said one. One character. Fine, R2D2. All right. Why? R2D badass. He's like, okay, so imagine you're like this little droid. You're not programmed to be brave. He's an astromech droid. Of course he's programmed to be brave. He's got to sit in a fucking fighter. Isn't that what the point of those droids is? <laughs> but I mean like I mean to go oh, shush. To mean just shot my whole theory to hell but um (laughs) (laughs) in like two words yeah no the whole idea to me is that r2d2 was this random droid that leia came across that you know it's just happenstance and fate that he was made by anakin and found his daughter he was not he wasn't made by anakin yes he was wasn't he no No. 3po was made by anakin he was owned by padme 
Was he? Yeah, R2 was one of the Naboo people's Astro yes. Metroids, because he was on I'm that. I'm sorry, team. I was trying to remember. I thought there was a connection there. Yeah, no. Not, not well, I mean, like, he's been around forever since the first episode. Yeah. But he was just, like, a yeah. random astromech droid on that shitty... Yeah. I can kind of see, thing. like, there's something almost Shakespearean about, like, Anakin's robot slave and Padme's robot slave becoming best friends forever. <laughs> yeah, and, like, finding their children to help them accomplish their missions of being good. That's true. Yeah. But I just find that R2-D2 also emotes so much with just sound and that I always really like. And he wobbles around. Yeah. Yeah, he wobbles, like, you know, his little beeps and bloops and... <laughs> I will love. I will love nothing more than the when they did the read, the live comic read of something, and the one guy did R two D two is uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> bleep, bleep, bloop, bloop, bleep, bloop, bloop. But I can't do a good Christopher Walken. But um, and I don't know R two to me just like you want him to succeed, and he's always there to like be the. The support he, you know, literally helps Luke drive his ship. He's just like, he's such a fun, wonderful character. And you love him so much because you really can't, like, you never actually hear him do anything but bleep and bloop, but he, he's so powerful. He fully works. I just really love him. Especially in episode yeah. four. The the moment for uh, for my kid where the tension ratchets. Wow! Yeah, that's yeah. it. When R2 gets blown up in the Death Star Trench, like, that's the moment that my kid sat up straight, like, hands up to his face, like, oh my god, they could actually get killed. Yeah. Like, it was sobering. I remember, like, just being, watching that and just being like, no, R2! Would you have donated any of your parts or circuits? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah, so. All right. (laughs) Yeah, that's mine. Tim, I I'm gonna go with Young Spears and say I Luke by far, and it's just because like he had the best character arc of any character. Like you get, I mean, you get him from like this whiny farm boy evolving, even counting episode eight, like evolving into this like full fledged like Jedi, and then to a full Jedi Knight, and then to this grizzled, disillusioned like former Jedi Master, and that clearly has seen some shit and and failed a lot kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's just, I mean, and ultimately the saga is his story or the Skywalker story, I suppose. But out of the Skywalkers, I feel like Luke has the best story arc overall. So I go the easy answer. Fair. All right. Mine's easy. I'll let Christy guess because she'll guess it on her first try. Han Solo. Who your favorite character is? Well, Tim Han Solo. Darth- yeah, Tim Godin. Yeah. yeah, Han Solo. Always. It would always going to be Han Solo. He's the most sarcastic dick of all. <laughs> yeah, and also, and also played by Harrison Ford, who I love. So there's that. All right. Yeah. Getting narrow here. So I have two. So like favorite scene and then favorite lightsaber duel. Which one do you guys want to go with? Because if we go. Let's do, let's both do the, just real fast. Let's do the duel first. Because like scene this way, it discludes the lightsaber okay. duels from the favorite scene. So lightsaber duel first. Jay. This is hard. This is very... I don't need to know what's going on in your pants. But just... <laughs> well, it, it always is. That's a presupposition. <laughs> You're welcome. Beautiful. <laughs> you Don't bring Moana into this. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the rock. He's also hard. I think you mean don't bring uh, this into... Never mind. <laughs> you, uh, Say your fucking thing. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to... I don't know, unpopular position, but at this moment, I think my favorite lightsaber fight is 
Ray and Kylo Ren against what are the, the Praetorian Guard in Last Jedi. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah, it's a good fight. Like it has the acrobatics and the like the fluid choreography of the prequels with the emotional weight of the original trilogy. Cause the whole yeah. time, like you're fe- you've kind of got this optimism, like maybe they are going to, maybe this is how this is fixed. You know, maybe you're going to yeah. see these yeah. two kind of shake hands and be like, this is the turning point. Yeah. And at the same time, there's, you're in a space where you've just seen the big bad drop. So anyone could go. You know, Rain Johnson's thrown the mm-hmm. rules about who lives and dies out the window like two reels ago. So it's mm-hmm. it's tense in a way that other fights are. The The fact that you have two protagonists fighting a large group of antagonists was an it was an intro like it was a new it was a new factor. I felt like I know you, you saw some of that in the prequels, like with the the Coliseum fight and that. But I, I feel like that was just Samuel L. Jackson swinging at a blue screen. Like, I never felt like he was in danger from anything. <laughs> I think most of that movie is just people standing yeah. in front of a blue screen fucking swinging shit. Because that's like the one thing, the one takeaway I have from my last time I, I watched Attack of the Clones is like, holy fuck, they didn't build any sets for this movie. It looks like a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, fuck. Really You're not wrong. But yeah, no, no, but that, yeah, that fight fully delivered for me. Ray and Kylo Ren uh, against a Praetorian guard. Christy? This was a hard toss for me as well because I wanted to say, like, there were there were three that I was kind of contending with. The bottom two were Obi Wan versus Anakin. Anakin, like that was emotional. Yeah, it was poorly yeah. acted, but it was emotional. Like not on Ewan McGregor part. Like Hayden Christensen at that point, you could just tell he was just done. I have the high yeah. Oh my god! But it's god. that moment of you were my brother. <laughs> I loved you. You're like, Ugh. but and then you watch him burn. You're like, fuck you. But also the other one that I struggled with was not giving the Darth Maul fight because that was pretty intense with young Obi Wan and. Qui-Gon and Darth Maul, who was like kick-ass with his dual lightsaber. But I think the one that wins in the end is Obi-Wan versus Darth at the uh, in the first film in New Hope. Like on the really? Death Star? Yeah. Okay. It was the most impactful for me mm. because okay. it was the first lightsaber battle I'd seen. Because it's the first lightsaber yeah. battle. Yeah, it's the first lightsaber battle yeah. any of us had seen. So. I know, but like it was... And then to watch Obi-Wan draw his saber and just accept death when he's been this like beautiful character that's helped Luke grow. And you don't, you know, he's not done yet to see him just accept death. That way was harrowing, but also beautiful. I've just found that even though it wasn't the longest of the lightsaber battles, when you finally found out the story too, it makes you go back and think about how impactful that fight was. Cause it was the first time they'd seen each other since Obi-Wan left him stranded burning. That's true too. And really, you don't yeah. you don't get that context like watching it. No. But when you watch it again, you're like, yeah. holy shit. And this time, like Obi-Wan knew they've always been somewhat matched. So he let himself die being murdered by this like what he allowed his young Padawan to become. And this time Obi-Wan doesn't have the high ground. See, I can't believe that Vader didn't make a crack about that. Had the movie been written chronologically? <laughs> Wasn't written. Yeah, that'll yeah. be the next special edition that'll be get added in. It's time by. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just also the fact that Obi Wan knew in this moment that if he wanted to try to save Vader or save Anakin even one last time, it was to let himself die and show his humanity. And like he had to let Luke watch that because he knew eventually they would discover their origin. So 
that was just an impact. It was the biggest moment for me. Every other lightsaber battle is fucking cool, but this one was emotionally grounding. Cool. Tim? Mine is also one that has probably more emotional weight to it than it does like just amazing choreography or whatever. Uh, it's Luke versus Vader from Empire. Yeah, that's my fucking pick, man. That's what I was gonna go <laughs> so with. Because, so so well, the thing is, it's it's obviously not like the most energetic or impressive action wise. Although it really was at that point, like up until what we'd seen then. But it's just shot so fucking beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like you get those beautiful like dark scenes on Cloud City where like the oh, characters are just Empire. in shadow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, in, in Empire, on, on Bespin, on Cloud okay, City. Okay, fair enough, yeah. But you get, like, those dark scenes where it's, like, just illuminated. You just have them, like, backlit, sort of in silhouette with the just the sabers are, like, the only light that you can see. It's our first chance to really, like, start seeing what a Jedi could do. Like, you can start seeing Luke doing, like, these crazy high jumps and shit like that. Like, jumping out of the carbonite chamber and that kind of thing. And then, of course, it leads right into, like, maybe the biggest, like, emotional jolt and reveal of all of the franchise kind of thing. So, yeah, that's mine. The biggest retcon in movie history? <laughs> uh, yeah. I do, and and I will, I had this written down before it got brought up earlier, but I do have a soft spot for, that's my dark horse pick is Yoda versus Dooku. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mine's just Luke and Vader in Jedi. I just like that. It probably because it's the highlight of Jedi for me because I find most of Jedi to be a little pondering and kind of like like the Ewok shit's ridiculous and all that kind of stuff. It's like that that's the emotional fucking like linchpin of the whole movie for me. Like that's what I go back to that movie for is that fight. Just Luke like hammering on Vader. Yeah, because he just like totally snaps for a yeah. se- like like just for a scene there. It's like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Everything in that moment works perfectly. Yeah. When the music swell when oh, what's the line? It, it's like um if you will not turn, perhaps she will. And then yeah. the music comes up and Luke's just coming in mm-hmm. swinging. Yeah. yeah. Like that is one of the high points in cinema history for yeah. me. Yeah. So that's the one I always kind of go back to. Like that's the lightsaber duel I like watching. Like if I'm going to just randomly watch a lightsaber duel, which does not happen, has never happened. <laughs> but I mean, if I was going to, it'd probably be that one just because like all the other ones are cool, like all the acrobatics and all the like the better special effects and stuff like that. But there's so much like emotional resonance to that last fight in Jedi that I, that's the one that I kind of glom onto and like there's hints to like the more fancy like jedi style of fighting in there like they kind of start to like get better at the sword play in that finally in the third movie at the end but i don't know that's the one i would go back to if i was ever to go back and just like watch a lightsaber duel so let's get through favorite scene and then we'll quickly say favorite movie and that'll be the end so jay favorite scene that's not a lightsaber duel hmm favorites you know I think it's Yoda lifting the X-Wing out of the swamp. Oh, good answer. The, uh, the judge me by my size, do you? Like, that's the whole series in a nutshell for okay. me. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. The, like, it captures the science fiction and the spiritual mythological side of it. It's got the sort of the master-student relationship, which is a big part of the series to me. And it's, and a lot of the other sci-fi and fantasy that I see when characters wield great power, you see like the dragon ball like energy halos around them there's like fire and lightning like shooting around or whatever but in star over 9000 yeah, exactly but in star wars like great power is subtle it's invisible and it's got this sort of this like really stark kind of beauty to it 
And I realize that may have been a result of, like, a lack of special effects technology at the time. <laughs> and if George had had a blue screen, maybe Yoda would have had giant yellow hair and whatever. <laughs> Jesus, let's not, let's not put any ideas in the man's head for another special edition, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. But as it stands, like, that scene, I think, that's the one that I keep going back to. Is like, this is where the series transcends being a Buck Rogers pastiche and, like, actually communicates something of substance. Nice. That is a good scene. I like that scene. Christy. All right. It's between two very different scenes. Leia choking Jabba. Nice. Because yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> girl, power. girl power. And really, although I think my favorite is Luke looking out over Tatooine with those two sunrises. Oh, and the swell. that's a beautiful moment. That's, that swelling score. Yeah. It's the swell of it, you know, bum, 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 bum. Like, it's so beautiful and so moving. And it's one of those things when you saw the first time, it took your breath away. You were just like, oh. Just imagine yeah. being on set when they shot that. You just imagine George being like, now, now look off in this direction. Now, now cross your arms. Just stand there. Look sad. <laughs> All right, good. Print. Yeah, pretty much. But then you put the music behind it. It had the same sort of gravitas as the opening, like, like it, it just had this strength behind it. And you were like, Star Wars. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what I mean? 100%. No, that's good. Tim. My favorite scene, uh, the, the one that sort of just seals the deal with Star Wars for me is Death Star Trench Run from New Hope. Oh, OTA. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, that shit like still has me on the edge of my seat to this day. It's just a mastery of editing overall. Like it gets gets the point across in terms of what's going on, and you but you still get like very much the characters POV with like the cockpit shots, like the on face shots, and also the out the front of the cockpit shots. That like we we get to see sort of Vader's piloting skills, and then you get to see that I, I think that reveal of. Uh, the Falcon coming back and Han taking out Vader and giving Luke the chance to finish, you know, seal the deal kind of thing like that. Just every, every bit of that scene I love and really just the the peak of of Star Wars for me, I think. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Mark? Mine is uh, mine's really easy and it's like totally just like generic nerd. 101 it's the uh yeah that's it that's the one the, uh, the musical scene but the the uh the, the remastered like the 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 cg one it's the max rebo band. yeah like the actual yeah the band is like my no that's fucking horrifying <laughs> I, was, I, I watched the special edition and i fucking fast forwarded through it i could not do it i was like no i can't i'm not no no this is gonna i already hate this sequence i'm already fucking Dabuka. is the end of rogue one is seeing vader like when vader pops the fucking saber and just cuts mm. through those guys that's like that's what i've always wanted like to see. butter yeah pretty much he just cuts through like a dozen guys and they're it's like a horror movie scene they're terrified that he's coming <laughs> it's at a them. massacre yeah because they're yeah. screaming yeah. For help. Straight up like it's actually oh, like dude, when the, the guys pounding jarring. on the door yeah they're screaming for yeah. like, help, help. Yeah, he's like nope, yeah, nope no you're in there <laughs> yeah fuck that we're not we're not going in there with you and him fuck that you're dying that's yeah i love that like <laughs> yeah, that was sorry, nice bro. knowing you and i'm not even sure if like i like i like rogue one that much as a movie is or if it's just that scene is such like a fucking the ultimate shot of like whatever nerd Viagra that it just does it for me every time. Like I'll watch that little clip and like 
the second the saber goes off and you see like the silhouette come in in red because it's all lit in red now and you know what's going to happen you're just like that's so fucking cool and then you actually get to see him walk down the hall and just chop guys up i'm like i have been waiting for 25 fucking years plus to see vader just chop up motherfuckers like a badass and usually all he does is wander around and threaten people but he actually put the saber on and just killed a bunch of guys you should read vader down all right <laughs> is that a is no, that it's a, a- it's a comic series by uh, Kieran. I think it's either Kieran Gillen or Jason Aaron. Okay, writing, but it it picks up right after New Hope. But it's like Vader and Palpatine get crash land on this planet, and they're just surrounded by baddies. And Palpatine's all ticked at Vader for failing at the end of Episode Four, and Vader has to prove that he's still got it. Yeah. So for like eight issues or whatever, he goes around proving he's still got it. Like there's this one point where he's surrounded by rebels, and they're all pointing guns at him. And they, I don't know, one of them, like, gives him this softball setup line, like, what do you see? And he just says, fear and dead men. Nice. And he's like, <laughs> okay, okay, there's Vader. There, Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you never get to see that Vader. So that, that scene always kind of does it for me. If there's a scene that I will actually rewatch on YouTube, that's the one that I go back to. <laughs> Want to see Vader cut motherfuckers up. <laughs> always like the villains the best for yeah. some reason. All right, guys, we are, we're getting there. We're almost done. Favorite movie. Start at the top, Jay. It's really hard not to just say Empire, because that's right. all life is, man, a series of down endings. That's true. <laughs> no, I think it, that's the one where they introduce the mythological aspect where the Force really becomes like a philosophical and emotional kind of element to the story. Yeah. And it's where the characters kind of deepen. And I don't know, as, as a yeah. drama nerd and as a Star Wars fan, like that is the center of my Ben diagram. <laughs> so... I'm going to say Empire. All right. Christy. Oh, for me, it's Return of the Jedi. Okay. Really like those Ewoks, eh? I did. I was an Ewok girl. I, I'm with you. I love Ewoks. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Also, I loved watching the glorious ending. I wanted to see the good side win. Which version do you prefer of the, of the celebration? You prefer the original or the, the special edition? The original. Always the original. Do you prefer Sebastian Stan to Hayden Christensen? Oh, I forgot they did that. Yeah, yeah. That was I yeah. forgot mm-hmm. they did that. I was watching it yesterday. I'm like, fuck, that's jarring. Like, he's so much clearer. What is going on here? Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten that. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen that version, actually. Uh, when Force uh, Ghosts are new, they're in 4K and then they yeah. just degrade. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is a side note. When I was I did a little research. Did you guys know that the Bla- Han Solo's blaster from that? Two days ago, sold for $550,000. Yeah, it's yeah. in the mail. Yeah. Oh, is that? No, not really. <laughs> no, I, I, I was <laughs> implying that, yeah but, yeah, but absolutely not, no. Buy kids' college funds and all of my houses. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so. Worth it. Where are we at? So, Christy, yeah, Me. but Jay was Empire. Christy's Return. Empire. One vote Empire, one vote, vote Jedi. Tim, bring it home. I'm with Spears, episode five. Nothing is ever going to touch that for just iconic character moments and development overall. And just, yeah, like you said, deepening the mythology and plus mm. Lando. True. Mm-hmm. That's Lando. true. Done. Done. True. Argument. Mike, Mike dropped. Fair. No, and that's like probably my pick too, really, is like Empire is probably the best movie out of the bunch of them. I am very fond of Rogue One. I think like I like the fact that they finally got away from like, we don't have to do like a giant Jedi. I mean, obviously they have Vader mm. at the end, but like there's no Jedi involved. It's just like kind of the scummy, like rebel side of shit happening. So I, I, I tend to like, 
I've rewatched Rogue One a lot more than I probably have any of the other Star Wars movies, which is really weird. But I like the the more grounded kind of guerrilla warfare side of Rogue One compared to like space knights and shit like that, which is a little bit outside my <laughs> wheelhouse. So yeah, I go I go Rogue One. But like, if I'm gonna just pick like a real Star Wars like a saga movie, it's yeah, Empire is the best one because fucking I mean Lando's in it. So what the fuck more do you want? You get Han and Lando. <laughs> the perfect yeah. fucking movie i don't understand yeah and and i love you i know oh, yeah. and and that yeah. lightsaber duel at the end which is like i mean it's not my pick yeah. but it is fucking super cool and they do have that reveal of the massive retcon that they decided to pull yeah. on everybody so there was that all right so we've i actually went a lot longer than i intended on going so sorry kids <laughs> but let's uh let's wrap this shit up so we can all mm. go to bed because it's late Maybe. how you guys feeling Ready, ready to go? Do you have anything else you want to say about Star Wars before I wrap this bad boy up? There's plenty we could say about Star Wars. I hope that it's better. <laughs> I hope that it gets better. You got some time to fucking wait because I don't think when's episode nine come out? Like it's it's December 2019. Yeah, so we still got like a year and a bit to wait. It's crazy. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week, and please feel free to reach out. You can do that via Twitter at drd underscore podcast at Facebook facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com if you haven't already please subscribe at apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher or however you get your podcast a five-star rate and review would be fucking sweet too i'm mark i've been here with christy say good night yeah bye guys happy star wars and tim may the force be with you i love you I know, Tim. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and a big shout out and special thanks to Spears for making the time to chat with us about Star Wars tonight. It was hey, awesome. my pleasure. Anytime. Let's let's not make it 99 episodes <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll see what I can do. I, I only record my own podcast like quarterly these days. <laughs> is that show? Is that show still happening? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we oh. we recorded a little bit tonight. As a matter of fact, oh, you've been busy. <laughs> That's why you till ten. Oh, oh it's oh. it's a whole thing. We recorded yesterday, but there was a thing with the things, and I don't know. That's why we do backups, buddy. This is why you got to do the backups. Yes. Uh, uh, man, I say things, and it's like people don't listen. It's wonderful. All right, awesome. <laughs> we hope you have a good one, everybody. Have a good night. May the force be with you, I guess. Like, if we have to say that now. I'm not saying it. Meet, 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 Dance robot dance. That's what I was just doing. Yeah. D R D D D R D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D D Live long and prosper, guys. Live long and prosper. (laughs) No one's going to follow us ever. Traitor. You can't take the sky from me.